0: This is uh, the last message in our series on the fruit of the spirit. And then next week we're going to start a different series for about seven weeks. We're going to be looking at uh, the life of Jesus Christ. But um, this week is the, the end of the fruits of the, the fruit of the spirit uh, series. And um, it's going to kind of culminate and wrap up a lot of tie up a lot of loose ends and kind of I think hopefully make some sense for you. but. Basically, what we've been talking about is it's, it's, it's not the fruits of the Spirit that Galatians talks about. It's the fruit. It is one fruit. It has nine different aspects to it. And we've been talking about that. We believe that when you are born, uh, you are born um, a sinner. You are born um, not desiring God. You are born um, apart from God. And God understands that. Because of sin, Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. He died a voluntary death on the cross to pay for our sin. And he offers salvation to anyone who will say, I want that. And so we believe that a person has to come to a point where they acknowledge the fact that they're a sinner, that they acknowledge the fact that they need a Savior, and they ask Christ to be their Savior, to be their Lord. And they become what you may know as a Christian. And we, we don't use that term lightly here. When we use the term Christian, we're talking about someone who is a disciple of Jesus Christ, someone who is a follower of Christ, someone who says, I'm not going to live life my way, I'm going to live the life the way Christ wants me to live life, and that's going to be my desire. So we don't use that term lightly, and um, we believe you're a Christian. So when, when you do that, what we believe God does is this, and this is our analogy with the fruit of the Spirit. You have, if you will, you have been growing this root system of sin and self-centeredness and all of that kind of thing and that's normally what your life will produce and the life of someone who's not a Christian is usually, um, it's more self-focused, it's more focused on what they want to do. And what happens is God in essence, like in a tree, would chop that tree down and then he would graft onto that tree a different kind of fruit. He would graft onto that tree the ability to produce and he goes through um, in Galatians, and this is what we've been talking about. Um, Paul talks about the idea that, um, oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, don't tell me. Did I dump that one? Okay. Oh, uh uh-oh, wait a minute. Okay, ah, there we are. Ah, there we are. The fruit, I skipped a couple of rounds this morning. Uh, He's what he says as a fruit of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're going to talk about the last one this morning, self-control. But he talks about this idea. He says, God grafts on you the ability that regardless of how people treat you, you can respond in love. Regardless of your circumstances in life, you can have joy. Regardless of turmoil in your life right now, you can have peace. You can have forbearance. You can have patience. You can keep plugging away. You can be kind even when people are not kind to you. You can have goodness. The idea is that you can can be good in the way you treat people, even though people may not treat you good. It's not an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth mentality. Faithfulness, you can just keep plugging away. No matter what comes your way, you just keep plugging away at it. You can have gentleness. We talked about this last week, where you don't have to be harsh. And this morning, we're going to talk about the idea of self-control and notice what he says about these issues. He says, against such things, there is no law. What he's saying is this. You can't have too much love. You can't have too much joy. You can't have too much. Now, I think there are people who have too much joy. Okay? I think there ought to be a limit there because those people get on my nerves a little bit. But there are people that I don't, but biblically, you can't have too much joy, okay? Uh, you can't have too much uh, peace or patience, Although, this is what he's saying. So there's, there's not a limit on how much you can have on these. On all of these characteristics, we need as much as we can get in our lives. This morning, we're going to talk about the idea of... Um, I, this thing's all messed up now, so i got to figure out where we are. There we are, self-control. Here's what we're going to talk about, self-control. Uh, the King James says temperance, the old, uh, old English word temperance. Um, the idea is that you are in control. Now... That seems like a, a, a simple thing when we talk about it, but the reality of it is uh, it's, 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 there, there's some turmoil in this thing. There's some tension in this thing. Okay, um, and, and here's the tension. In Christian, well, let's just talk about Christian circles. In Christian circles, we often find people on one of two extremes. And when we talk about self-control, you need to understand, we're talking about being in the middle in this thing. There's one group of people that we would call them legalists. They focus on the externals. They focus on how things look externally. So what they're going to do is they're going to they're focus on this whole system of, of, of rules, if you will. And they're going to come to you and say, okay, you ought to dress a certain way and your hair ought to be a certain way and you can only go to these places and you can't do this and you're supposed to do this and you're not supposed to. They, they come up with this system, whatever that system is. That's legalism where the focus is more the external than the internal. Okay? That's kind of the way to think about it. Okay? The other group says, you know what? Because Jesus Christ has died on the cross and forgiven my sin, past, present, and future, I can do whatever I want. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't have to... God's forgiven at all, so it's easier to ask forgiveness than it is permission, so boom. And they kind of take this attitude. Um, here's the thing. Both of these are wrong. Both of these are extremes that are wrong. And so what happens is, what we, we talk about self-control, we're talking about, I don't go to that side of it, and I don't go to that side of it. There's truth in some of this side, and there's truth in some of this side. But the question is, I want to be self-controlled. I want to be balanced between these two extremes. And most of you have been brought up in one type of church or the other. You have a background in, in, in one or the other. For me, I, I came from this background. Okay? This was the background that, that, that um, it was safe, it was clear, it was harsh. It, there wasn't a lot of love in this thing. Um, I get this. I understand this world very, 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 very well. Um, and in some places in the world you, this world, you need legalism. You need that kind of thing. If you, The military is very legalistic. It is pretty much black and white. These are the rules. Obey them or face the consequences. They don't, there's not a lot of fudge room in, in, in a military tank. Um, police officers. Police officers have a very, very structured rule system. You know, and, and, and they have to do things a certain way. You want your police officer to be from a legalistic, in a legalistic mindset. This is right. That is wrong. You're arrested. You go free. You know, you want that mindset there. So uh, there's not, be careful you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. On, on the other hand, you, biblically, there is this concept of the idea that in Christ, I have a lot of freedom in order to know things. So let me give you, and, and so what happens is a lot of Christians, and trying to figure out to be controlled here, what a lot of Christians do, and I get this question a lot. Pastor, is it wrong to fill in the blank, whatever the blank This is okay for a Christian. And if you've asked me that question, you know I'll never give you an answer. okay? Because you need to figure it out. I've figured it out for me. I know what mine is. You need to go figure out what yours is. okay? Um, But let me give you what I think is an overriding Bible passage that will really help you here. Um, Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 10. Those are big passages, big chapters about issues of right versus wrong gray areas, should you, shouldn't you, this kind of thing. But here's a one-verse answer to help you when you're dealing with uh, whatever it is, okay? On one side or the other, here's what he says. Paul says, I have the right to do anything you say. This side, right here, okay? He says, you got that right, I get it. And in particular, this is talking about the eating of meat. I don't have time to go into all of it. There was a big debate in the in the church, particularly in Corinth, is it right to eat meat that was offered to idols? Okay, so in other words, all right, and, and okay, okay, so so like, okay, Dave Shram is selling meat, is selling beef for I, I don't I don't I don't even know what beef runs anymore, but um, you know Dave's Dave's Dave selling prime rib steaks for. a pound, and Dave's a Christian brother. He's always here every single week, blah, 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 okay? Okay? And I'm just going to pick on him, okay? So Butch, on the other hand, is also selling beef, but Butch doesn't go to church here, okay? Butch goes to the first church of Satan, and every week he offers meat at church to be sold. The church gives more beef than it knows what to do with, so the first church of Satan decides... We're going to sell beef this week, and we're going to sell prime rib. Or what were you selling for $15 a pound? Prime rib. He's, he's selling $15 a pound. We're going to sell prime rib for $5 a pound. Now, here's a question. Where do you buy your beef? You know? <laughs> and you know what? Here's the thing. You could make an argument for that. You could make an argument for, I'm going to go buy butchers' beef for $5 a pound, and I'll give $10 to Dave's church. Or I'm going to be a good steward of my money, and I'm going to be able to buy three pounds and give two of it away for the same price I'd buy one for. You can make all those arguments, and that's what people were doing. And so there was a big question in the early church of, what do I do? Is it okay for me to buy this meat over here that was offered to a satanic god or do i support my christian brother that was the argument you can you can see the tension you see the debate okay now by the way that's not what butch believes and he doesn't do that all right but <clears throat> i don't want to get him in trouble you know anyway but, but you understand where i'm coming from that was the issue okay so first corinthians 8 1 corinthians 10 romans 14 i'll deal with that this is what paul is saying paul is saying look if i'm a christian do I believe that there's something that magically happened when Butch sold that meat, to, 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 or gave that meat to the church of Satan? Do I believe that all of a sudden now it's satanic meat? He goes, I'm a Christian. It, it was something offered to a fake God. That beef, and I know you guys would argue this, that meat is no different than that meat. Like, well, he raises it this way and this way. I don't want to get in all that. But the argument would be look, you know what? As a Christian, I understand an idol is nothing. I'm saving money, slam dunk. And then here comes the debate. Paul says, So, I, knowing that it's nothing, have no problem doing that. On the other hand, I'm having Randy Hammond over for, church, for, for supper. and Randy, on the other hand, used to go to church with Butch. And Randy used to make sacrifices at that church too. Now what do I do? Is it going to bother Randy? It's nothing to me it going to bother Randy now that I'm doing that. Because to Randy, it has a different meaning than it does to me. That's the argument in Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians uh, 8. Or 12. Um, That's the big debate. Okay, And so what Paul is saying here is this. He says, I have the right to do anything. I have the right to eat that meat. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. I can eat that meat. But not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good but the good of others. So what he says is, he says, look, I'm going to argue against this. I have the right to do this. But it's not about me. It's about these issues down at the bottom. Is there benefit in what I'm going to do? Does it control me? If it controls me It's in control Not me Or the spirit of God Does it edify Does it build up And so These are the questions That you ask With this kind of thing So when we talk about Self control Here's what you want To ask about When we talk about Something in your life That is out of control And so In this case some of you Are struggling Some of you have Trouble with anger Some of you Have trouble With um, Addictions um, where there is a, I don't know, whether it be alcohol, tobacco, uh, pornography, whatever it is, there's an addiction that you, there's something that controls you. Uh, okay, let's get really specific. Coffee. Okay? Coffee. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could not go a day without coffee. I mean, it's just like, it controls you. Okay? Um, uh, Do you need to understand, I, I, you and I, we relate. Okay, I can relate to you. Uh, so, w- what's in control? Does it control you? Because if it controls you, guess what? It's in control. Not you, not God, it controls you. And then does it edify? Does it really help or build you up? Is it really something that is, is, is positive, beneficial in, in, in your life? So, as, as we look at it, this is, what he, this is what he's talking about. So, when we talk about this issue of self control, let's understand it's a balance between these two, all right? Um, So, let's talk about New Testament. Here's what Peter says. Um, When Peter writes, here's what he says. For this very reason. Now again, Paul's talked about in Galatians. Notice how Peter picks up on this idea. This very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control. There's our idea. Self-control, perseverance. Perseverance, goodness, godliness. And godliness, mutual affection, mutual affection love. You see how many these things that we came up in through the Spirit? I mean, they're they're very, very similar. But notice what he says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, and there's as you grow and as you develop in your life, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Look, you need to understand, you start to develop this stuff in your life, you become more effective and more productive as a believer. You don't produce these things in your life, then it's going to be very hard to be productive and effective as a believer because these are key elements of fruit that comes out of the life of a child of God who's trying to follow and pursue God. So this is what Paul, or this is what Peter expounds on, kind of from what Paul has said to the Galatian people. Now, I have purposely not told you what the first part of Galatians is before we get to the fruit of the Spirit because I wanted to hold it off to the end. Let me explain to you what happened. Paul's talking in Galatians about the Galatian people, and here's what he says. This is right before it passage. The acts of the flesh are obvious. He says, you want to know what comes up from the root? Automatically, you don't have to spend a lot of time on it. It's just going to happen. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, Envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. You want to know what's going to come up from the root just automatically? These are the kinds of things. And you go, oh, I'd never do some of those things. Okay, go back through the list, right? Selfish ambition, dissension, that means arguing. um, Fits of rage. Ever lose your temper? Ever get angry and, and get out of control about it? He said, Envy. You ever found out somebody else got something new and you don't think that they should have it because God should like you more than he likes them? Those, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this won't inherit the kingdom of God. This is how the world lives. This is what the world does. This is the, what you should expect. Watch the news. Do you not see this stuff? You go, no, not me. Well, I want to know what you're watching because any channel that I turn to that has news has this kind of stuff going on. Why? Because this is what is natural from sinful me. Then Paul comes to what we've been talking about for the last seven weeks, but here's what a Christ follower does. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there's no law. This is what we want to do. This is how we want to be. So, let's talk about this idea of self-control, how do we do it, what's it about? I want to pick the one that I think most of us can relate to, the, and it's interesting. He didn't say angry, he said fits of rage, okay? You ever lose it? You ever get so upset with something, you just lose it, okay? This is, this is what I want to talk about. I want to analyze that for a second, okay? And I want to talk about it in two parts. I want to talk about trigger, and I want to talk about bullet. And I'll I'll explain that in a second. Um, Because in our culture, we spend a lot of time on the trigger. And you need to, but I think Paul would have us spend time on on the bullet part of it. Um, Here's a question. So, uh, you get mad at something, and you lose control, and you say a whole bunch of stuff that you shouldn't say. Most probably, if you're married, this is to a spouse. So you say a whole bunch of stuff that you shouldn't say. So what happened? When you finally realize what you did, what are you gonna come back and say? I'm sorry, what? I lost control. I'm sorry I lost it. Okay? Now I've done this before, I don't advise this. Don't say, I'm sorry you got mad at me losing it. Okay, that, that doesn't work. Okay. I've done that one, that doesn't play out. But, what do we say? We say, I'm sorry, I lost control, okay? Now, here's the thing, why'd you lose control? See, you gotta analyze that a little bit. You gotta step back and figure that out, because that's an important piece of this thing. Um, And oftentimes, what happens is, we start going, well, you know what, I wouldn't have lost control if you hadn't done blank, okay, so that's the, so, if I, if I haven't talked, if it, none of you have any relationship to what I'm talking about, please see me. I want to meet you. You're like the unicorn in the room. Um, so let's talk about this idea. How do, you, how, do you, how do you get this issue of control? How do you change? Take an area of your life that you know you, you're, not, you're not controlling. All right? How do you change it? What do you do with it? Um, so let's break it all down. Um, first thing that you have to do is there's two elements to this. There's a trigger element, and there's a bullet. And here's what, here's what I'm going to, I'm going to illustrate it this way. And it was trap shoot day, so I thought this would be a good thing. Uh, this is a Nerf gun, okay? And I'm going to use the Nerf gun to illustrate this. I don't know how you feel about guns, but it's a Nerf gun, okay? Um, this is actually my Nerf gun. Um, I bought it at Christmas this year. I bought Nerf guns for everybody in the family, uh, guys and girls. We all opened them together. Everyone had the same amount of ammunition and safety glasses, and we all opened it together, and it was an all-out war. It took us about a month to find all of the little rubber bullets that we were shooting at each other, Um, but that was our idea of Merry Christmas to you. Uh, So anyway, so this is my my deal. I'm not saying you do that for Christmas. That's just us. I always try to do something goofy every year, and that was this past year. So there's two main parts, and there's a lot of parts to this. There's a Trigger part of this and there's a, there, there's a bullet or projectile part of this, okay? Um, if you know anything about real weapons, um, you know that particularly in, in anybody who uses, a, who is dependent upon their weapon for their survival, and I, I'm talking about military or police officers or people like that who are carrying for that reason. Um, one of the things that you will, you will learn very quickly about them is they know everything there is to know about that weapon. Um, they know how to take it apart and put it back together. In most cases, almost all of them, hands down, could take it apart and put it back together with their eyes closed. Um, they know by feel what those parts feel like. They, they, are, they are so comfortable with that weapon because that is, that is really their last resort as a means of staying alive. Um, so they take it very, very seriously. But two big issues of any gun, any weapon, anything, is the trigger and the projectile. The, the, I'm going to call it the bullet, and I know we get into the whole shell argument discussion. But anyway, so here's what happens. And what happens when you lose your temper or what happens in anger or what happens in loss of control over something is there are two big aspects to that. There's the trigger mechanism. What sets it off? And then there's the projectile aspect of it, what comes out, right? Our culture deals a lot with triggers, and, and I think you should. We're going to talk about some in a minute. But I think our culture misses it when we don't talk about the projectile part of it, and, and I'll explain all that in a second. So just hang in there with me for a minute, I want to talk about how we change something. One of the, there's a couple of steps involved in changing something. One is you have to ask yourself, do you really want to change? I, this is a serious question. I mean, do you really, really want to change, or do you just say you want to change because you know it's the thing you're supposed to say? You know? I mean, you, people do just diet all the time. Yeah, 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 I want to lose weight. Pass me another tub of ice cream. Um, <laughs> disconnect. There's a disconnect. You have to ask do you really, really, really want to change? I, I, I need to control my temper. Do you really want to control your temper? You know, um, you know I, I need to stop spending as much. Do you really, really, really want to stop spending as much? Do you really want, and, and, and this, we blow this off sometimes, but this is a very, very important question. And sometimes, unfortunately, what happens in our world is we come up against things where God has to get our attention and, and all of a sudden we, we get forced into a situation we don't have any choice but to change. And so sometimes that's that's what happens. But the first question you have to ask yourself is, do you really, really, really want it to change? Second aspect of it is this. You've got to admit that it is a problem. I mean, if you don't see it as a problem, if you just see it as something you would like to do, then it's it's not going to work. You're not going to get control of it. And and you have to ask yourself, is this really a legitimate problem? And here's what you will find. The people who are closest to you, if you can get them to be honest, have seen it and know it better than you think they do. Most of the time, they have seen this for days, weeks, months, or years. If you have people who are coming to you saying things, and you know these people genuinely love you and care about you, listen to me. Listen to me. You can get mad at them all you want. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's Proverbs. These are people who are trying to help you. So part of getting, they're trying to figure out a nice way to tell you, there's a problem here. And you need, you're wise if you will start listening to them. But you you have to, First of all, want to fix it. Then you've got to admit that there's a problem. And then here's the idea. You have to try to understand it. And, and culture's really good about this. What is it, and this is the trigger part of it, what is it that sets you off? Why is it that you're losing your cool? Well, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's that person. If that person wouldn't speak to me, I would be fine. Really? So it's somebody else's problem. Yes. No. Because you know what? That person can stop speaking to you, and you wouldn't know what you were going to find. There will be another person that starts setting you off. You know why? Because the problem's not all there. And that brings us to the next part of it. You've got to own your part of it. You know, I see this in marriage all the time. You know, oh, oh, this is what's going on. This is what my spouse is doing. This one, and my spouse would change, and I could be blank. Time out. Your spouse is in here. Let's talk about you. Oh, it's not my problem. It's them. No, time out. Let's talk about you. You, because I guarantee you, you have some ownership here. There, there's no, there's no marriage problem. Okay, that you can come at where you go. It's 100-0, zero. I'm doing every. I am perfect. I cannot improve. I am God's gift to them. Being married to me is like being married to Christ. They just don't get it yet. No, it doesn't work like that. There's something you have some ownership in, and even if it might be a .00001% of it, then take the ownership. Take the ownership. And what happens in this issue is, what, what happens is we start looking at it and we go, you know what, I'm, I, I, it's them, it's them, it's them. No, no, it's, no, 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 it's not, you know. It's like, you know, if, if, if Blue Bunny wouldn't make ice cream, I wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> no, because Ben and Jerry's will. Somebody's going to be there making ice cream. Okay? And we, this is what we like to do. Okay? And so you have to sit back and you have to go, okay, you know what, yeah, I do. Need. There's, there, there is ownership on my part of it. There is a part of this that I can change. Um, and then... And, and here's the tricky part. You have to change it. This is the bullet part of it that culture doesn't talk about. Okay, and, and, and let me illustrate it to you this way. All right, so, um, so, so the, these are little Nerf things that we had. Uh, we actually had two styles. This is the one that uh, kind of went the farthest, I think. Um, which became very advantageous in the house thing. So here's what happens, okay? You're loaded up and you're all ready to go. And you're just, you got a lot of pressure and work and this is going on and that's going on and this is going on and that's going on and this, is going, on and this is going on. And you're, and I'm going to use my I'm going to use a wife because I'm a guy. So, um, so, your wife says something to set you off. Now, you're loaded. Trigger is set. You're ready. And now... She has the audacity to make a comment about you're not doing enough. The trigger is now pulled, and you go again, and you go again, and you keep firing away. Then you realize, oops, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have responded that way. Now what do you have? Now you got a mess, huh? <laughs> What's that? What's that? You know, there you, go. You, know, you know you got a mess in your head now. You know, yeah. You go reload. You go. Okay, that wasn't enough. You didn't get it the first time. So I'm going to keep firing away. And we do, but we do that. Is that not true? Is that not what we do? Or oh, we call our friend who helps us reload. You know. Now here's the thing. There are two parts of that. Okay, There was the bullet part of it, your response and what went out, because you were loaded for bear. And then there's the trigger part of it. And the trigger part of it set you off, and what came out was what you were loaded with. Here's the key. This is what's important. You may or may not be able to, to, to address the triggers in your life all the time. But you can address what you're loaded with. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, self-control. I'm under a lot of pressure at work. Things are going tough. Everybody's on my case. I come home. My wife says something. All of a sudden, what comes out is love, joy, peace. sorry. Now, what I originally had in mind was to fill this with glitter, and it was a good idea. Now, I tried it outside first. I was smart enough about that, and it didn't work. So that's why. So imagine that every time I'm firing glitter. All right. Um, although some of it did come out even in the thing, but uh, all of a sudden now, what comes out when the trigger goes off? Because I'm loaded with love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, forgiveness, goodness. Now all of a sudden, that's what I'm firing. I haven't changed the trigger because I can't always, I need to understand all that, but I can't necessarily do all. This is what we call in Scripture the principle of replacement. Okay? And let me give you an insight to a story Jesus tells. He's talking about the generation. He's talking about the things that come up in the generation. In Matthew chapter 12, listen to what he says, because this, this is a really important principle. When an imp- Jesus says, look, let's just pretend that there's an impure spirit that's in your life. So so let's use anger. The angry spirit is in your life. You're you're an angry person. And you decide you're going to deal with your anger. You're going to admit it, confess it, you're going to deal with it, understand it. You do all of the stuff that we're talking about, and you decide you're going to get rid of the anger. Okay? The impure spirit comes out of a person. It goes through and places seeking rest, does not find it. Then it says, I'm going to return to the house that went. So Let's say anger's my issue. I decide I'm going to deal with the anger. I say I'm not going to be angry anymore. I'm going to get rid of my anger. And that angry spirit leaves my, my being, okay, and goes around looking for somebody else to inhabit or to be a part of or to be involved in their life, trying to get them to be angry, okay? And as that spirit keeps going around, it can't find anybody. And it says, you know what? I wonder how PJ's doing. Let's go back and check it out. Notice what it says. i return to the house that I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept and clean and put in order. I've got everything all ordered, but I haven't replaced it with anything. Then it goes and takes with it seven more other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. He did a good thing, but he didn't replace it with something. And because he didn't replace it with something, the Old Spirit came back in. And now that it had more places to live, it brought friends with it. He said, that's how it's going to be in this wicked generation. That's what will happen if you're not careful. So if you're going to get rid of something that is controlling your life, you have to replace it with something. Otherwise, you end up in a worse shape than you are. Now, let me, I'm going to try to illustrate this. Again, uh, stuff like this gets me in trouble. But my, my goal is to try to connect with you, so this will connect with you. Um, I have that area in my yard that's been my personal investment over the years. And my wife hates that spot. She hates it. It was fine until... She used to walk on the road, up and down the road when she went walking. And... Um, then we, we kind of had a problem in the gravel and stuff like that, so then she started walking around our yard, our property, with the dog, and unfortunately, she walked right by all of this stuff, so now it became a problem, and then when we were going to have people over, she's like, you know, that really bothers me, you know, that people think, you know, you know we're Sanford and Son, and, um, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that, so what happened was, uh, Jimmy moved, and, and, and so when Jimmy moved, we were working on the... The the his house in Sioux City and, and so as we're getting it ready there was there was an old refrigerator in there And I said you just need to get rid of that I said easiest way to get rid of it I said uh, put it on Facebook tell it first truck here gets it Um, and so he did he said I'm gonna be here from x number out I'm gonna be here from like two to five first truck here gets it and some guy right away. I'm there So this guy came and he picked it up and when he's picking it up he goes, what are you gonna do with that? And Jimmy goes I'm gonna take it to the dump. And he's like I'll take it and I'll take it and I'll take it and he was a scrapper and I said, I want his number. <laughs> I said, I started finding out the stuff he talked to. I said, I, I, want, I want his number. So he called me and he said, hey, he said, I can be over there Saturday. And I'm like, oh, the last thing I need, another thing before the traps you. But I got somebody who hauled this stuff off. It'll be gone before everybody comes over. See, this is why the rain thing is really bothering me. It'll be odd for everybody who comes over. It'll make my wife happy. Check, 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 check. Great husband, stuff like that. So this guy comes over. And he starts loading stuff up. Um. <laughs> Full disclosure this was the first truck. He also drove off with a pickup just as loaded, and I still have more stuff for him. But the weeds are grown up all over it, you couldn't see most of it except the big stuff. Okay? Now, Some of you are going, some of you are looking at my wife going, honey, you should have been yelling louder. (laughs) You know, you are living with a hoarder. Um, Well, what happened is the kids would do a project, and I'm like, oh, let's throw it in the back 40. Nobody will see it. The weeds will grow up over it. And, And that's what happened. He's like, okay, I'll take this. And I'm like, well, there's a pile over here. And then when I started digging, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. This is at the bottom of it. And we started hauling all kinds of stuff out. So, anyway, this was... And my wife's like, these are my new favorite people. Um, so anyway, so I told him, so I asked, started asking him what he would take, and he started telling me what he would take, and I'm like, well, here's what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going I'm to make you a big pile, and then I'm just going to call you, and you come over and pick it up, and you drive it away, and, and my wife will be happy. And, and so here's what's happening is, you know, actually, this stuff gets me in trouble. Um, there we go. Um, here's what's happening. I started to realize this. You know what? Here's the problem. If I keep going, that area's going to be all cleaned up. You know what that means. You know? Right or wrong? Right or wrong? How many of you have cleaned up an area, a closet, whatever else, not made, it, not made a purpose for it to replace it with something else, and what happened? In many cases, it ended up worse than it did at the beginning, doesn't it? This is what he's talking about. Self-control means I'm going to make some changes. And I'm going to get back in control with some of this stuff. And here's one of the keys that you've got to understand. If you don't replace it with something, it can, do, it can, it can actually hurt you. And I watch people do this all the time. And my challenge to you, so I've already thought about this. You know what I'm going to do as soon as I get it cleaned up? I'm going to go in and cut it. Because if I go in and start cutting the grass, none of this stuff was in the short grass. All of this was in the weeds. And it started out a small area. And then it got into the other area, and then it got into, that became weeds, and then it just kept moving and growing and growing and growing and growing. The other issue is, I'm changing some things. None of my kids' stuff comes to my farm anymore. It goes to their farms. <laughs> if you replace a stove, you take care of the stove. Dad's not gonna haul it to his place. They now have farms, so I've, this is a big master plan. Okay? They now have farms, they can put it on their own. And when they call and say, Dad, can you come over and help me clean up? Here, here's a card, call him you know, let's make this easy now from here on out. You've got to replace it. And and yeah, see, there you go. All, all of that work, nobody gets to see. I'm going to take pictures <laughs> when it's all cleaned up. And just just so, and, and some of you guys understand, there's some stuff the guy's like, what about that? And I'm like, you know, I might use that in the next 20 years. So let's hang on to that. Uh, there was a few things like that. None of them were appliances. All the appliances went away. Uh, but the idea is this, and you go, you know, and I know, guys, I know, you know, it's like, yeah, you did that. You know, it's going to happen. All the metal scrap prices are going to go up. And I was like, you know what? I'm the point. I don't care. It's going to be clean. Fine. It's done. Because uh, I'm just tired of, I've got tired of it. Um, and probably because in the last year, we've moved, I've moved three, you know, three family members, and so I'm done with, with what I need. Uh, but the, the, here's the issue, Okay. We have to get back in control. And we have to allow the spirit of God to be in control. If we don't, the law of just natural life, life is in a constant state of decay. Whatever struggle you're struggling with is not going to right itself and make it better. That area was never going to clean itself up by itself. No amount of wishing was going to clean it up. It took setting back and going, okay, let's make some changes and let's do some things and let's let go of some stuff and let's come up with a new purpose. Let's come up with a new deal. And it's no different for you and me. That's what we have to do. And and I want to challenge you because for some of you, there are some things that are out of control and if you're not careful, the price tag for those things is going to be incredibly high. And you're going to get out of control in some things and you're going to start losing jobs or marriages or kids or family and stuff like that and and, and the the price tag ends up being so high. That's why he says, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, you need to get back in self-control and not let those things get out of hand. So I end this morning with this. You will be controlled this week. Either by God's spirit or the world's. Self-control is deciding you will choose God's ways over your own. It is the power to allow God to be in control. Self-control is mandatory for Christian growth. May each of us lead a spirit-filled life this week, and not one driven by self. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, Lord, it's easy sometimes to talk about this stuff, but Lord, so often we just get... We don't, we don't think about what we say. We don't think about how we act. We just simply react. And Lord, in so many situations, it just makes stuff worse. So Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves this week. Help us to decide what we really, really, genuinely need to change. To take ownership in it, to figure out what we need to do to make some things different in our lives. So that Lord... As people see us, they don't see someone who's angry and fits of rage, hot-headed, somebody who's self-centered and self-focused, living only for themselves. The Lord, in so many areas of our lives, we don't allow things or substances to control us. But rather, Lord, that we allow the Spirit of God to lead, guide, and direct us each day. The Lord, as people see us, they see Christ in us. And when it is all said and done, Lord, we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise. These things we ask in your name. Amen.